You're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle with Mela Borowski. Thoughts from a Southern Witch. Should have studied witchcraft. Should have learned to ride a broom. So me and my black cat could fly through the skies underneath the moon. Hey y'all, I'm Mella and you're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle. Our special guest today is Will Rodriguez. Will is the executive producer of a mental health podcast called Calm, Cool, and Connected and host of The Skeptic Metaphysician, a show that explores metaphysics, spirituality, and mysticism through a scientific lens. Having undergone his own personal mental health challenge over the past few years, he's researched different modalities in an effort to find healing through any means, be they traditional or esoteric or through his own spiritual explorations. Welcome, Will. Thanks for being here. Mila, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. So your bio says that you spent most of your career in the television industry and then many years fooling yourself into thinking you were a better person. So how does that all fit into your story of where you are today with your spirituality? Yeah, that seems to always be the kind of the jumping off point in in conversations. It makes sense. So um, I like everybody over the last year and a half two years during COVID times we found ourselves with a lot of time to do introspection mm. uh couple that with some personal challenges crises whatever you want to call them that i experienced at the very beginning just as COVID, just as it was forcing us into lockdowns uh, i had a my own personal uh, mental breakdown and that was due to uh, work stresses personal stresses there were some catastrophic decisions that I had made over the course of my life that were suddenly karmically coming back to remind me that I had made those mistakes all at one time. So just shy of having to check myself into a hospital, I literally broke down, had a mental breakdown. And uh, I'm sure you probably know as being in the television industry, it's incredibly stressful. It can be very stressful. Mm -hmm. So there was just a lot to that. But then when I say this, people kind of look at me with really strange looks in their eyes because to me even though it, it was there were really bad things that happened to my family and I during that time it was the absolute best thing that could possibly have happened to us because it helped me to realize to learn some things about me that I I, I didn't for whatever reason learn before yeah um, I had a I had a guest on a show the other day that I love the way she explained it she called it the frying pan effect Right, mm. where the universe, um, the way it works, every once in a while to say it'll whisper first and say, "Hey, Will, I need you to learn this lesson." Right, and I, and if you don't, <laughs> you don't learn, just just ignore it, just keep going along with your life. The universe next time will go, <clears throat> "Hey, Will, I need you to learn this lesson." Just a little bit louder, right? And each yeah. time it reminds you, it does it a little bit louder and a little bit louder and a little bit louder until. It has no other choice but to hit you upside the head with a frying pan. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> right? I think we all have at one point. Yeah. Yeah. But to me, it was, boy, was I ignoring this these messages for all my life where mm. this frying pan wasn't just a frying pan. It was a tractor truck of frying Oh, pan. my God. <laughs> it, it laid me out. So I suddenly realized in my – I had to do something. So I went to therapy. Um, I, in my own personal – challenges i looked for tools that would help me uh, that's where calm cool and connected came from because i didn't know or i couldn't find a podcast that was quite what i needed which was bite-sized explorations into different 
mindset or mental health modalities that would help somebody. So that's where that was born. But then in my search, I found that the strictly physical mental health processes weren't enough to explain some of the things, some of the changes I was finding inside myself, which is why I then launched The Skeptic Metaphysician, because I've been searching my whole life in some form or another into these modalities. But suddenly I found that there's so much more that we aren't aware of that I needed to have proof of. I needed to, I needed, I couldn't just go on faith. So I needed something to say to me, yep, here's some three-dimensional physical palpable things that, that will show you that you're not just the three-dimensional body that you're inhabiting right now. Mm, Yeah. It, It was during that that exploration time that I found, getting back to your question, sorry, that I realized that I've been living my entire life from a point of ego, judgment-driven, anger. Uh, obviously, you know, we can go into as deeply as you want on the topic, but I don't want to get too far off. Um, some trauma that happened in my childhood uh, forced me to think of certain way. And so every time someone... I mean, everyone around me was 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 real jerks, and they were they would be, get angry with me or frustrated with me or or make me angry because they couldn't understand where I was coming from. That kind of stuff. When all along, it, it was really me who was actually the guy who was carrying around the anger and who was feeling this sense of self entitlement that people would see and go, "Wow, we don't want anything to do with this guy." Wow. Um, yeah. And that's a hard realization to come to when when you lived half your life, you know. Yeah. So you would consider yourself spiritual and not religious, correct? 100%. My my family, my mother really, because my father was pretty much an atheist. My mother was always searching. Our whole childhood, she would go from religion to religion to religion. None of it really resonated with her. So I found myself kind of a nomad in the religious space. And then I had some bad experiences with some religions that, that really turned me off to the whole concept of um, of organized religion to the point where I now do believe we're all spiritual beings, but I have a personal relationship. My belief systems are very different than any religion that I've encountered. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't, I guess I don't count myself as a member of any one particular denomination. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I, and I, but I, but I, I should clarify, I salute anybody's path. Mm-hmm. If, if you are religious and you think, you know, Catholicism is the way for you, then I support you. I applaud you. I'm thrilled you found your path. That is not mine. Yeah, I feel the same way. I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. And even under the pagan umbrella, there are religions like Wicca is a religion. Mm. And I don't follow anyone else's religion. I just have my own connection. So I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned Wicca because as part of my discovery uh, my my search for for truth, I actually joined a coven that okay. was a Wiccan coven for a while, mm-hmm. uh, and was initiated. So it was incredibly eye opening. But I've 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 looked into Buddhism and uh, Taoism and uh, Judaism and Christianity and Wicca and all kinds of different religions because I was trying to find my place in the world. Yeah, uh, and I found that each one had little bits of truth and mm-hmm. um this one story if if you will allow me yeah it really kind of reinforces my belief systems right there was uh one one day 
uh, God was standing on his mountain of truth. And he was looking down on the world uh, from his mountain of truth. And he liked what he saw, so he kind of looked down a little closer. And as he did, he lost his balance and caught his footing on the mountain, which then caused these little pebbles to fall down from the mountain of truth onto the world. And as he looked down, all the peoples from the world were running. They rushed to these pebbles, grabbed them, raised them over their heads, and claimed, I have the truth. (laughs) When in essence, all they had really was a single small little pebble of the truth. Right. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. So my my thought process behind spirituality or belief systems is, A, we're never going to know the full truth until we transition. Right. And B, each one of these little pebbles is a path mm-hmm. on the road to where we are all going. We're all going to end up in the same place. It's just which path you choose. As long as you choose a path, more power to you. It doesn't mean that your path is going to resonate with mine or mine's going to resonate with yours, but just pick a path because we're all seeing the same thing in different languages. It really is. So Yeah, there's a story and I, I tell it all the time. My listeners are probably groaning right now, but <laughs> it means so much to me and it's, it, it's a mountain as well, but everyone's climbing the mountain on their own path and the only people that aren't going to make it to the top are the ones running around the bottom telling everyone else hey you're on the wrong path Mm, yeah that's a great (laughs) that's a great thought yeah yeah i just love that (laughs) so what sort of topics do you talk about on the skeptic metaphysician podcast wow uh that is a that is a uh <laughs> Huge thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we talk. I try to bring on experts in all kinds of different modalities. Uh, mm. uh, the last one that we just released was um, the law of attraction. We really drew, dove into manifestation and, and what it takes to make things manifest. And uh, and we we tackled it from a very practical way. I've never heard it explained quite this way. Uh, the gentleman that was that was my guest on the show talked about. Uh, brought in quantum mechanics and Newtonian physics to talk about how the law of attraction yes, works. Yes, I love it. It is fantastic. I, I was I, like, he he blew me away to the point where I was speechless for most <laughs> of the interview. He is a, probably one of the most brilliant men I've ever interviewed, uh, and and I could not recommend that episode enough. But mm. we've talked to witches. We've talked mm-hmm. to paranormal investigators. We've talked to people who astral project. Uh, we've talked to people that do that that uh, that read the runes and the tarot. Uh, we've talked to people who talk about life after death, kundalini activation, dream interpretation, reiki, Ooh. intuitive energies, uh, all kinds, channels, psychics. Um, it, I really try to expand and, and have a conversation with every type of. Uh, of modality within the spiritual metaphysical world because I love it all. And mm-hmm. I will firsthand, I will say, I think I'm looking too hard because I want it too much because mm-hmm. I've never been able to ask project. I've never been able to lucid dream. I've never been able to, to manifest anything really for that to, to, to a large extent. Mm-hmm. So I've, and I've never wanted to really my whole life. Yeah. Uh, because to me, that that would be proof. If I experienced it, I talked to a lot of people who do it, and it's great that they talk about it. But the skeptic in me is saying, "Come on, <laughs> right? I mean, are you really? Yeah. Are you, are you, could it just be a dream? Like, is it like yeah. a really vivid dream, or are you really kind of leaving your body? Like, uh, right? The, the life after death. Every it's, it, people talk about the fact that when you 
die and you see the tunnel going towards the white light and the people waiting for you at the pearly gates or whatever they're saying that scientists are saying that it's, it's really just chemicals firing in your brain right and that's what's causing these visuals that you're seeing as you're passing away but then i spoke to someone who in enlightened me about dmt and and the god particle which i had no idea about which are chemicals in your brain that only activate two times in your life when you're born and when you're dead when you're dying mm. well then couldn't that be what we need to transition from the physical to the ethereal doesn't that make sense then isn't there a correlation there mm. and i'd never thought of it that way so then suddenly i start thinking okay scientifically that seems plausible to me so then i can start moving in the direction of believing something because i really want to i mean i really 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 want to believe it <laughs> yeah i i just need i can't go on blind faith right yeah the the one thing that actually gave me something that i could feel was when i did reiki i became a i became a, pre, a reiki practitioner level two mm -hmm. and uh, on the very first time it was we were in a metaphysical bookstore it was in my deep in my search and I was trying to find something and someone said, hey, you want to try it? Oh, okay, let's try Reiki. And I, and I went to a couple of circles and I, I don't know, I felt anything. It might've been me, I don't know. Let me just become a practitioner. Let me see if it's if it's real. So I go to the store when they're closed. And there's, I think, eight of us being um, attuned. And uh, there's a massage table. Someone's lying on a massage table. We're all putting our hands on the person on the table in different hand positions that they taught us. Uh, and then two by two, they're taking us to a back room where they're attuning us that uh, mm -hmm. apparently they're attuning us to the vibrational frequency of this uh, universal love energy that is channeled when you do Reiki. Uh, and as people were coming out of the room, they would put their hands on the person when they're when they're back out. And all of a sudden you see their eyes and they're like, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. I've never felt anything like that. And I'm going, oh, geez. Oh. <laughs> right, right. OK, well, let's, you know, let's go in with an open mind and see what happens. So my turn hap comes in and I, you know, get it's a dark room and it's candles and music and all that kind of stuff. And I get on my knees and the person, Reiki master teacher is doing something, some sort of hand signals over me and, and whispering some things and doing some things. And I, okay, that's it. Thank you. You're, you're tuned. Go ahead. Go on back and practice your hand positions. Oh, well, okay. I feel no different. My vibrational rates seem to be exactly the same as when I walked into the room. Mm -hmm. So then I went to the massage table. You know, when I put my hands on that person. I was floored. Wow. There was an absolutely palpable energy flowing from the palms of my hands that was not there before. Mm -hmm. It was so breathtaking to me that I literally had to take my hands away and walk away from the table because I was so freaked out. Wow. Right. And so that was for me, all right, you're on the right path. There's yeah. definitely something other than this three-dimensional world because that is absolutely, without a doubt, energy that's flowing out of your hands. Mm -hmm. And I can't mm -hmm. explain how or why. Yeah, I'm a level two as well. And when I got my level two attunement, I had this vision. I'm clairvoyant, so I see things constantly. But I had this vision of water. I saw every type of water in the world. I saw I was floating over the ocean. I was floating over rivers and lakes and ponds and just water was my whole vision wow. and absolutely could feel that energy mm. like you're saying yeah yeah and it's interesting because what i got was i apparently it was a past life regression and i had no idea Ooh. yeah <laughs> yeah it was uh, <laughs> crazy um but apparently i i was with my reiki master teacher in a past life and i was ah. uh, and it, it it just it became clear to me 
at the time it felt like it was just like a really vivid, I don't want to say dream, maybe a daydream yeah. or something like that. But when my teacher asked me if I had seen anything, I, I said, well, you know, I don't know this is what you're asking for, but I told her the story and she's like, yeah, I had a feeling. And she said, it, I mean, long story, but at the end of the day, she was a witch in yeah. Salem trial days and um, she was hung. And to that day, she couldn't, um, she couldn't wear turtlenecks because wow. of it. So my story, when I said it to her, resonated with her and she said, yeah, I, I, I definitely, there was a connection that she felt between the two of us that she couldn't understand, but now she, now she, it made sense to her. So the scientist in me said, mm, yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> I feel the energy. I don't know if I believe the past life thing, mm -hmm. but, but since then I have had other past life, I had a past life regression therapist on the show and she regressed me. And, uh, though we didn't go back to that life again that I saw during my attunement, I did, um, I did see three others that, uh, when I went back and did some research, uh, could be very plausible. But again, all this stuff, a lot of it, you just kind of have to go on faith. And that's really hard for me. Yeah. To yeah. My day job is hypnotherapy. So I do a lot of past life regression hypnosis. Wow, that's fascinating. I have gotten so much information from people that I think if, if I hadn't believed in reincarnation beforehand, I would have the proof in front of me because we've even after a session typed names and places and things into the computer and they've come up. And these people have never even traveled or knew anything about certain places in the world and states. So yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. Mm, no question. Yeah, no question. And, and all that stuff just fascinates me. Like I could talk to you, or I could talk to anybody about this <laughs> for years, for years yeah. without, without raising, missing a beat. The challenge is that because it fascinates me so much, like I really want to do it. Yeah. I want to feel it. I want to be clairvoyant. I want to speak to the dead. I want to uh, f uh, tell someone's future. I want to um, read to row cards and have them speak to me. I want to know. I mean, so I, I know ast astrology mm -hmm. only in a very, very minor way. Like I know what a Gemini is supposed to be like and a Scorpio is supposed to be like uh, from the sun sign perspective. But there's such a deep world beyond just the sun sign. Oh, yeah. That uh, I've had two astrologers on the show and each and every time I've been floored with the kind of kind of information they've they given me about me mm. or my daughter uh, that no one could possibly know. Like yeah. That stuff is not out there. And yet she's telling me who I am without us ever have hang, having had a conversation before. It's, mm. it's fascinating. It really is. Yeah. And there's so many spiritual gifts. I, I have people tell me all the time, well, I just I just want to be clairvoyant like you. I want to see things. Because I'm, I'm not only clairvoyant when I close my eyes, I'll instantly see things. But I see things, spirits, ghosts, you know, all kinds of things mm. in the world around me as well. I have that kind of vision into past the veil, I guess you could say. But I don't have a lot of the of other gifts that some people have. But it's very interesting that people always, they always say, well, I don't want the gift I have. I want clairvoyance. But there's mm. over 40 spiritual gifts and I yeah. teach I teach a whole course about that and sometimes when people get through the course they say oh my gosh I did not even realize that this this and this were my spiritual gifts so it's really interesting that I think sometimes people don't realize a lot of what is going on in their lives are gifts it's just not as I don't want to say flamboyant or what <laughs> but it's just not as I guess certain gifts seem more cool 
<laughs> so I'm first of all, I'm deeply envious that you're a clairvoyant. So congratulations, <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. I really would love to. I've been told I had um, it's the Hollywood healer, right? Her name is Laura Saltman, and she's out in uh, California, and she's the clairvoyant to the stars, supposedly. Mm. Uh, one amazing human being. Uh, I love her to death. After we stopped recording, she said, you know, you are clairvoyant. You are a channel. And I was like, what are you talking about? I have, you know, I don't feel any. And she said that I have the gifts. I just haven't developed them. And it's just mm -hmm. a matter of taking the time to develop them. Yeah. So I started to try to do that. And so I will say this, and this is the first time I'm saying this publicly. I do have someone on my wife's side of the family that passed away. And there was a point where... Um, out of the blue, I don't know, my wife asked me a question. What do you think of what, that, that Keith would say about blah, blah, blah? And I just, I knew the answer. And I just said, well, this is it, blah, blah, blah. And I took a step back going, where the heck did that come from? <laughs> right? So the thing is that I don't know for sure if it came from beyond or if it's just me saying this is what Keith would say because I know him. Mm -hmm. But this felt different. This was a complete, I, there's no question in my mind, this is where he would stand this is the message that we need to give to his daughter. And my wife is a full-on believer. She is 100%. She's on board. She's like, if she said you're a clairvoyant, you have got to develop that because I I want that in my life. Mm. So so she's been constantly, hey, do you, do you get anything from Keith today? Do you do any, have you heard? <laughs> it doesn't work like that, right? So, yeah. but there were, we, we did put it to the test and there were some questions that I had and I, that we asked uh, my wife's sister about. And sure enough, there's certain things that, I came up with it, like, how, how did you know that? That kind of thing. So that was interesting. But I haven't, like, I question myself. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's the problem so many people have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I question myself. I doubt myself. So I don't, you know, well, I'm, I'm kind of getting this. You know, they did they bury a, a, something, a stone underneath the, the foundation of the house to represent their, their union of marriage or whatever, something like a, like a key. I want to keep saying it's a keystone or something. And sure enough, that they, they buried a key wow. in underneath the, the foundations. But but like, okay, maybe I w it was a lucky guess, right? So mm. my wife is saying, okay, of all things you could have guessed, how could you have guessed a key that they would have done, right? Buried right. One, right? Um, so I don't know. So I, I question it and that's a problem. The thing is, there's a scientist, it's so subtle, the feeling whether it's true or not is so flippin' subtle yeah. that I can see people missing it. Like people probably are getting messages all the time, all the yeah. time, but we're just not getting it. And that's, that's a problem. And the entire scientific world is saying it's impossible. There's no way that this could, could be. And I'm finding over these last X, I don't know how many conversations that whether you believe it's true or not, the universe is going to make sure it's you're right. Yeah. Right? So if you say this is not true, it's not possible, then sure enough, it's not possible for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, just, it's not. But if you open yourself away, Dr. Wayne Dyer, I love this mm -hmm. man. Right? Love this man. He says, uh, why was that quote? Oh my gosh, I'm going to misquote him. And I hate that because it, I, I hate people who do that. But something like, be open to everything and attached to nothing. Mm -hmm. So if someone says to me in an interview, yeah, I, I speak to aliens all the time and uh, I come from the Pleiades and I'm a starseed and, and I don't belong in this world. My instinct is to say, 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. Right. But but the more I'm finding, the more I'm living, trying to live open and non non judgmental way, I'm finding myself going, "Tell me more. That sounds interesting." Yeah. Like, yeah. Because right? how the hell do I know? Like, That's maybe right. Maybe are a star seed. I have no idea what is a star seed. So so I'm open to having these conversations. I'm opening to I'm open to discovering things, and because of that, I'm opening up my life to synchronicities and. Like the whole eleven eleven thing. Every time I look at a clock, it's eleven mm-hmm. eleven, um, which is freaky sometimes. Yeah. I spoke to someone that uh, has the the, the Path Eleven app, which is um, an app that talks about life after death and dealing with helping people cross over and things like that. It, it's Path Eleven, and suddenly after that interview, eleven eleven all the time. I got an, a meditation from a friend of mine that was called the eleven eleven decree, and then I spoke to a numerologist who talked about Path Eleven. I mean, there's there were so many <laughs> synchronicities that were. Okay. Yeah. The more open I am to these types of things, these types of conversations, the more the universe is going, oh, he's open. All right. He wants to see all this stuff. Let's let's give it to him. So I'm yeah. learning a lot, a lot. And I love the show strictly because of that, because yeah. I don't know what's real. I don't know what's real. I don't know what what is our path. I don't know what happens after we die. I don't know if there's reincarnation or not. But what I can tell you is that it doesn't matter anymore. Mm, me. Now, yeah. what matters is let's just live our life in the way that it resonates the most with us. Yeah. And because I used to be one of those people that, that thought once you die, you die, you're dead. It's don't, there's nothing. It's, it, you know, so, and it, it instilled a huge fear of death in me. Like I was, mm-hmm. my entire life, I've been terrified of dying. Now I'm thinking, okay, if there isn't anything after life, I'm not going to know any better. So right. just enjoy your life the best you can right now. But what better way to live it than to believe that there is something out there? Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. I, I teach a class. I've taught it in several conferences and festivals, but it's all about death and dying and people being afraid of it. And we even do a meditation where we look at our dead body as it's dying. And just because we have been trained in this society to fear death, it's been taken away from us. And it's all about living longer and and, uh, immortality and everything. And I, I have this little catchphrase that I say with the class, and that's your impending death is the most powerful energy that you can harness in your life. Hmm. Wow, that that is not something I've ever thought of before, and that's a great mm. way of putting it. But absolutely, yeah. On, on either side of the of the of the coin, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if death to you is a is an awful thing, that's the type of emotions, energies yeah. that you're bringing to you. Even the language, lost the battle, all that. Even that language is all negative. <laughs> you're so right. <laughs> you're so right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We as a society have to change that the way we look at everything yeah uh the, the the mess that this world is in right now um people say oh my god it's it, we live in a terrible world look at all the political and um personal and social i mean it's just it, it, socioeconomic it, it's it's terrible and i asked that question of a couple of different guests that i had and i'm like well how can how can i possibly think that we're reaching a tipping point Mm-hmm. Right, we're, we're in the the age of Aquarius. We're reaching a tipping tipping point where the consciousness of the world is evolving. We're going to be all ascending and blah. How is that possible? Look around you. Look at all the garbage that's happening in the world these days. Mm. And to a person, their response has been, "If that's what you're expecting to see, that's what you're going to see. Everything in the world is exactly the way it's supposed to be, for a reason. 
and the people that are here that are thinking in a 5D consciousness level are there for a reason. And a lot of the things that you're seeing are based from fear because people are feeling that shift and they're fighting it. And that's what you're feeling. Yeah, yeah. And that made a lot of sense to me. All of a sudden I looked at the world and went, son of a gun. (laughs) Yeah, these are all people who are not remembering, Mm. right? I mean, we're all co-creators. That's right. right? We all create the realities in which we live. We, We certainly create our own specific reality. And that's based on, you know, you believe in soul contracts or whatnot. If we do indeed make deals with the group of souls that we travel with from life to life to life saying, okay, you on the next life, you want to learn about this. Okay. Well then uh, I'm going to go into a contract with you. That's going to, I'm going to make myself be a certain type of person to elicit this type of experience within you so that we can then evolve together. Mm. Right? This mm-hmm. is what's happening in the world. So um, at least that's what people are telling me. Yeah. And speaking about soul contracts, I've been hearing a lot lately from different psychics and just different people that it's time to break soul contracts. Do you think that's possible? Is that a good idea? Um, that's that's an interesting concept. Um, all the conversations I've had about soul contracts are, and I'd be really curious to talk to that person you spoke to because it's intriguing. To break a soul contract, to me, it would mean going against what we are here for. Mm. My belief system, without going too far down a rabbit hole, we are all little droplets of an ocean that have agreed to come onto this plane of existence in order to have our whole experience itself as what it's not. Right. So if you say God, the universe, the divine power, whatever, whatever terminology you want to put out there, we are that entity. Each and every single one of us is bit of that energy of that sentient being, whatever it is. Yeah. But that sentient being is everything, everything, rocks, stones, wind, cars, houses, everything. It's everything. Souls, everything is that. So how can it possibly, if you are How can you experience day without night? How can you experience black without white? How can you experience good without evil? Although I don't know if I believe in evil, but that's a whole different. (laughs) So this universal energy split itself into millions and millions of little droplets of itself in order to be able to go through experiences in order to know itself by what it's not. So good experiences, bad experiences, um, positive, negative, uh, love, hate, fear, greed, envy, all of these emotions that we experience at part of being vibrational frequencies. And apparently what some of my guests are saying, different dimensions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's also a training ground for us to understand how and who we are. Mm. And in order to do that, the soul contracts that we we travel in, from my understanding, we travel in packs of souls. And there are you know, hundreds of souls that we're together, life after life after life. And we get into a pact, we get into a contract that states that in the next life, uh, you are going to want to experience absolute unconditional love. And I, as, um, as part of your soul group, I volunteer to go down and show you what love is not supposed to be like. So I'm going to 
cast myself in the the bad guy role this time around just so that when you do come across this other soul who then offers you unconditional love you are finally in your bliss so to break those soul contracts that we go into that's a scary prospect for me because then how do these experiences come to pass if it's not in a very deliberate way yeah i can't wrap my head around this and i've, I've heard it in person from people and i've also been seeing it on different youtube psychic videos i've been watching and my brain feels the same as yours i cannot wrap my my mind around why that would be a good thing have you i'm, I'm fascinated have you did you ask did you inquire like how how did why why do you feel we need to break these contracts the best answer that I was able to get to from the person that I was talking to in person is, is just that the world is changing, this whole shifting and changing thing and learning our lessons already. And you go in and you rewrite your contracts because you don't need to suffer that, I don't know, suffer that lesson anymore. Even with the information that I was given, I still can't wrap my mind around it. So that's why... You know, I'm just trying to ask a lot of people because I think that it's an interesting concept and I'm just not sure if if I want to do that. Like as a hypnotherapist, I've been asked one time in the past three months to and through hypnosis enable someone to go in and read their contracts. Now there was no breaking going on, but read a contract with a certain person. Hmm. I'm just not sure if I would even be comfortable facilitating someone going in and breaking a contract. Yeah, it's it's interesting. The the way that it makes it sound, if if a soul's purpose has completed its purpose ahead of time and you want to release them from that type of suffering or, or whatnot, mm-hmm. then I can I could see a an argument towards breaking a soul contract. But the way I understand it, and like I said, I'm not an expert, I just pretend to be one on a podcast. Uh, <laughs> I I understand that if once that soul contract has been fulfilled mm-hmm. it's not just a single contract we have contracts with all these different soul groups or, or, or souls within our group that we uh, reincarnate with life after life so then you move on to the next one or that soul then ascends it no longer needs to be on this on this plane of existence it's almost an, to me my opinion y'all uh ego speaking as in i don't want to have this suffering anymore i don't want i've i've learned the lesson so it's almost like the ego stepping forward say yeah i've learned the lesson and a little more control over things than maybe we should uh be asserting you know i'm i'm glad you mentioned that because that was the exact conclusion i or assumption i should say that i jumped to Mm. i didn't want to say it because i don't want to offend anybody but at the the end it it does sound it kind of sounds that way. Yeah, Wayne Dyer, Neil Donald Walsh, um, James Redwood, a- any anybody who talks about this type of thing will say that everything happens exactly as it's supposed to, when it's supposed to, how it's supposed to. Everything is perfect. There is a divine perfection in mm-hmm. creation. Mm-hmm. And if your soul contract is completed, then your your soul will no longer need to be in the state in which it's in. Right. Because everything is perfection they're stating if if it's time to break a soul contract it implies that it's not perfection and that's not really how i see creation Mm. right so it does sound like someone's going through something and they're like okay enough is enough i've learned my damn lesson let me go (laughs) right 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 and is that 
I mean, that might be dangerous. Well, I would say it just shows that you haven't learned your lesson because because it, the lesson might be just we cannot control anything. Mm. We can't control anything. Not a single thing can we control. We, we have an illusion of control. We can try to mitigate things as much as we can uh, as possible to try to bring about the, the most desired outcome. But man, I'll tell you what, if God wants you to to stub your toe on the pool, then you're going to stub your toe on the pool no matter what <laughs> shoes you're wearing. Right. 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 So, uh, but now I say that, and now here's my caveat. I don't know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. So just like Wayne Dyer, like we talked about earlier, be open to everything. Yeah. I would say maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're right. I would be absolutely fascinated. I would love to have a conversation with someone that feels that it's time to break soul contracts. Yeah, because I, I definitely don't have a lot of information about that. So I, I'm the same way. I want to know more. Mm. Well, if you find anybody and want to do a tandem, you want to do a, a tag team on them. And, and, and okay. I would I would be totally on board. I got to say, I I've not heard that before. Mm. And and it's blowing my mind that that you've been hearing it because I have, I'm going to have to look, start looking for it now. I went to a sweat lodge. She's a Native American, and she's the one that I first started hearing it from. Interesting. Yeah, so she might be willing to talk about it uh, because she has she teaches about it a lot to other people. I just happened to be there at a sweat lodge for a weekend, and she was talking about it with some people. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let me know because I'm lot of interesting stuff. That's why I was so excited about having you on because, you know, it's it's interesting to talk to somebody else who has gotten a lot of information from themselves, their own research, talking to other people. I, w- I want to tell you about this experience that I had in the past 30 days. So it's been about 32 days now. So it was right before I got sick with COVID. Um, we had We had a death that happened in our extended family. So I've had mystical, psychic, spiritual experiences since I was a child. I, I actually grew up in a fundamentalist Christian cult with wow. a lot of, with abuse, everything else. So I was often told that Satan, you know, demonic possession, just stuff like that because of my experiences. But I couldn't stop the experiences, you know. Sure. But um, I had this experience as I was holding space for someone as they died. And I've seen angels riding on the tops of cars. I've seen spirits. But this experience was absolutely mind-blowing. He was taken off life support, and I was calling in the angels of comfort and healing to make it a smooth transition. I saw angels coming down the hospital hallway, and before he died, as I was standing there with a few other um, family members by the bed, his hospital room filled with angels and spirits. I did not know who the spirits were, but they were angels. And As he died, the angels moved in. I was standing right by his leg and the angels moved in above him. I saw the energy rise up from like the chest and throat area and the angels, it was almost the only word I could use for it was gathering. They were gathering him and 
then healing energy, almost like Reiki, but this healing energy just spread into the whole room and it felt like they were healing, healing his soul or something. And then there was peace over the whole area. And I was holding space for his daughter. His daughter is uh, my future daughter-in-law and she just could not be in there at the time. So I stood in there for her while he died. And when she came in afterwards and was kneeling there, and all had clear, kind of cleared out, all the spirits had cleared out. I saw his spirit. I'd never met him before until I walked into his hospital room, but I saw him standing behind her, put his hand on her shoulder and I saw her hair move. Like he was kind of a spirit form, but I saw her hair move as he touched her hair. And I didn't say anything. I have experiences all the time. I do not tell people. I teach people it's unethical to just share things like that until you're asked. I was asked later on because they are aware of my kind of gifts. Did you see anything? What happened? So I told him, and before I even finished my story, she told me exactly what side he was standing on because she felt it. She wanted to ask me in that moment, but she was thinking she just was, you know, hopeful. But she actually told me where he was standing and where his hand was on her body before I even said it. Wow. Have you ever had any sort of mystical experiences concerning death? I mean, it, this, even though I've been teaching about death and I'm not scared of death and I feel like it's a transition, it just brought such peace, so much peace. Yeah. I, um, I have so many questions. I, I think I need to have you on my show <laughs> to talk to you asking these questions. But, uh, so to answer your questions as succinctly as I can, as much as I've wanted to have those experiences, I have not. Mm. What I can tell you is that there is, I've seen folks that have passed after they've passed, uh, their bodies are not them. There's zero doubt in my mind. Mm -hmm. They do not look real. Um, mm. There's something that animates us mm -hmm. that exits the body upon death and once that happens, well, you've heard, I think it was a six ounces, uh, the body six ounces lighter. Yeah, than yeah. So where does that, how does that account for that weight loss? Exactly. Uh, the, if, if anyone's ever seen a, a dead body, it's, it's meat. It is nothing. Yeah. There's nothing there. There's definitely nothing animating it. So, so what animates us? It can't be the blood coursing through our veins. Mm -hmm. I have had feelings my wife has had people visit her in her dreams as they were passing to say goodbye. Mm -hmm. um, things like that. I've talked to people that have those types of stories, but I've not experienced it. And, and, and it could be because I'm most of my life. I've been stuck in the scientific mindset. Like, you know, this can't, yeah. be, can't be true. Uh, <laughs> and, and like we talked about, right. The universe is always going to prove me right. Right. Um, but now I'm at the point where these doors are opening up now. And I'm attracting more and more people that have these types of stories. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious what will happen. Yeah. My father is suffering from dementia. Mm. Uh, he's not willing to accept the fact that he's got dementia. So he, he won't go to a doctor. Mm. So sadly, that means that his time with us is short. Right. But... Whereas in the past, I would be in a panic because it's my, it's my father. That's the rock of my family, my whole life. I, how can he yeah. possibly, you know, instead I'm taking it as I want to try to be as connected as I can while I can so that when he passes, we can maintain that connection. Mm, I love that. At least, 
That's my hope. Yeah. But wow. But I have. I've heard these stories a lot in recent times. To to hear you say that, it it brought chills to my yeah. arms. Um, because there's so many things that I don't know. Like these angels that you saw, were they were they physical in form? Were they just wisps of smoke? Did they actually have the wings? Did they um, the spirits around them? Was it was it palpable? What, did they did they know that you were there and you were aware of them? There's so many questions that I have for you. <laughs> <laughs> that that the inquiring mind in me always goes to. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what I'm learning is that you can answer, yes, Will, they had these wings and they were looking at me. They gave me a wink as they walked, whisked away with their soul. <laughs> right? It's whatever, I'm learning that whatever you expect is what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So your experience could be 100% different than mine. Right. You can see angels with wings and they wink at you as they whisk away. To me, it could just be a presence. I'm just feeling them there. I'm not seeing them. I'm just feeling them. But right. I know that they mean good and suddenly the energy dissipates and I didn't see anything. But, you know, it's whatever you expect to happen. Mm-hmm. And your gifts as well, because sure. if you have clear olfactants, maybe you smell them. Smell it. <laughs> yeah. Which I didn't even realize there was such a thing as that, right? There's all kinds of clear powers. That yeah. I know yeah. Uh, super fascinating. But did you ever watch the movie um, or read the book, uh, What Dreams May Come? I think I saw a little bit of the movie, but I have not. Okay, so I recommend it because it was written by by a man named Richard Matheson. And and he is my all-time favorite writer of all time. He was the original writer for most of the original Twilight Zone episodes. Mm. So his speculative stuff is breathtaking. But he wrote this, it's actually a short story called What Dreams May Come. And it's basically about a man whose wife committed suicide. Mm. And he was desperate to save her to help her uh so he then finds a way to transition into i don't want to spoil anything but transition into the afterlife to go find her oh wow and he does but all i'm going to say is that he finds that his afterlife was vastly different than his wife's afterlife Mm, interesting and there is a reason for that and it is fascinating It, it robin williams was in the movie so that shows you how, how old, long ago that was released. But if you've not watched that movie, I recommend it. it okay. I haven't, I haven't seen it in a while, so I don't know if it holds up technology-wise or whatnot. But but the message, what to me, was like, <laughs> mind is blown. Like, it makes, now I get it, that kind of thing. Yeah, I will definitely, definitely watch that. Are you familiar with the Bardo all the Tibetan Book of the Dead? Uh, yes. You are like the fourth or fifth person to have <laughs> recommended it to me. I've not yet picked it up, but apparently I have to because... <laughs> You, you are you are not the first person to recommend oh, it to me. Oh, wow. It's really interesting because um, I used it in that class I was talking about, about dying. They feel that the soul hangs around the body for 49 days, I believe it is. Yeah. And so that's why they read these portions to help guide them to get into this enlightenment. If at any point they kind of fail what they're doing, they are reborn. And um, it's, it's really interesting and, and has a lot of... Uh, really thought-provoking ideas in it. What what do you feel or what have you been told about the soul hanging around for a while after it dies? Yeah, I, it's, a, it's a really interesting question. Uh, I've spoken to someone, the, the gentleman that I was telling you about that passed in, in my family mm-hmm. a little while ago. We did speak to someone about that because he left behind uh, a boy and a girl, uh, young, you know, in, her, in her teenage years. Mm. And 
there was he died unexpectedly uh, suddenly sadly mm. and we did speak to someone about that uh, and it was and I, don't, I can't tell you what it was 49 days or what the timetable was but it was a certain finite number of days where this person said um, so we, we reached out to them because we're, we're finding like there was a called the uh-oh bird but it's actually a lizard in uh, in Florida in Orlando where they live there was a like a lizard that kept going it was a very distinctive noise it said uh-oh just like that uh-oh it was the hmm. weirdest thing I've never heard a lizard say this before <laughs> but it only started happening maybe a week or so after he passed wow and then suddenly this person that we talked to about this gentleman said to us he's getting ready to go he's saying that you don't have to worry anymore he's at peace and he's been with you all this time and he's saying goodbye after which a day or so after that that lizard was never heard from again wow yeah yeah so i'm of two minds uh, i'm of many minds on, on this topic but i've been told the way that I, I understand it is that each soul is different there are souls who stick around just long enough to make sure that their families are safe or content or happy before they pass on. It could be that 49 days or whatever it is. There are other souls who decide to stay and become what people say guardian angels mm -hmm. that will forever be walking beside you to help you, to provide insight, to protect you, that kind of thing. And then there are souls that actually transition on quickly because they have something that they have to fulfill either in another life or in the afterlife somewhere else. Mm. Right? So I don't, I don't personally believe just like here. I'm sure the Tibetan book of the dead has great information, but remember that it's just one path, yeah. one language, right? Absolutely. Just as much as we're talking about the fact that whatever you believe is what's going to happen, right? You create your own reality in this three dimensional space, mm -hmm. manifestation, law of attraction, the whole thing. How is that any different in the afterlife with right. soul? Right. So to me, it makes sense that there are souls that choose different things. Yeah. I believe that this gentleman stick stuck around for a certain amount of time until he saw the messages he needed to impart to his family were imparted. And now he was clear to go mm -hmm. and moved on because full disclosure, I've not, I've not heard from him since those times. Mm. Wow. And there are some that stick around. That's why people, I know, the the mediums, channels who say, I'm getting a, a message from uh, an S, an S, uh, Scott, Seth, uh, Sean, something. Who, who here has a has a family member by the name who's passed by the name of Sean or Scott? or right? the, Either they're still around and desperate for a message that they've never gotten across, or this person is able to bridge that divide yeah. and then reach out to say, okay, I've got an open channel for you to come from wherever you are to speak to your loved ones that are still on this on this plane mm, such interesting topics and mm -hmm. uh, i don't want to keep you for for too long i could talk to you like you were saying earlier oh, i could gosh. talk to you forever about this in the witchy kind of world i've been taught that as far as memorials go waiting 40 days so i thought that was interesting but as far as this recent person that passed um my future daughter-in-law is actually living with me and 
his spirit came to this house and I keep my house very protected. Part of what I do as a witch, as a pagan minister, is I go and clear homes, I clear spaces, land, things like that of unwanted entities. And I don't want any of that to come home with me. So I keep this thing locked down, but I opened it up a little bit the night before he died and he did come here. I smelled cigarette smoke one day. I said, hey, you're going to have to smoke outside and it immediately went away. Wow. Um, but I used my dowsing rods and it pointed exactly to where he was. And so I asked using the dowsing rods how long he was going to hang around because I'm interested in this. You know, one week, two week uh, things. He told us three weeks. He was going to hang around three weeks to make sure that his daughter was taken care of. I thought that was really interesting. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I do. I do think that there are uh, I don't want to say agendas, but, but everybody's different. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Some people may pass and think, yeah, my family's cool. I'm gone. Right. Yeah. Peace out. Whereas others are saying, no, they, they, now what the bigger question is once you're past, if you do indeed rejoin the collective consciousness that we talked about, what does that mean in terms of the importance of you stay sticking around for your family? Because then supposedly at that point, then it's not just your family. You are your entire civilization is your family at that point. Yeah. So how does ego play into this? Like what part Mm -hmm. of your consciousness remains in, in this whole equation? Mm. Um, These are things that these are answers that likelihood of us ever finding out is slim to none until we, (laughs) right. It's super fun to talk about. It's definitely fun to talk about. I saw this one thing on YouTube. I, I liked listening to Aaron Abke. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Mm, no. He was talking about how he has a lot of different things on the law of one and different things. But he was talking about how every soul at any point has to choose between love and selfishness. And that it's not evil. It's selfishness. And and so that's kind of as you die or as you make choices, you're either choosing the path of love or the path of selfishness. So I, Wow. That I, I've always thought about that as far as different souls, what they're doing, what they're doing in the afterlife. They're right. either ascending or at some point they all decide to go on the path of love. And how how similar to that of our three dimensional life as well? Yeah. Every step of the way, you either choose a path of love or you, you choose a path of selfishness. Absolutely. Look, look at our political positions right now. Mm-hmm. We sadly we are in a two party system, which is probably not the best thing in the world because you're either choosing this side or that side. There's right. no in between anymore, and that's sad mm-hmm. uh, because people are choosing sides and they're pointing the finger at the other side, saying you're wrong. Yeah. When God, how how much better would it be to say not you're wrong, but let me try to understand why you feel that way or what right. you think. I, th- I think we're we're very much in a polarized society where we're choosing between love and selfishness. Mm-hmm. And question remains, which one, which side is going to be the one that overtakes the other? Yeah. And the idea of good and evil just does not make sense to me because it's like the yin yang. There's a little bit of, if you're going to say good and evil, there's a little bit of evil, even in good, a little bit of good and evil, because it's not a choice like that. You don't always make a good or evil choice. You're making a choice. Is it better for everyone or are most people or is it better just for you so really the whole idea of selfishness or community love or love in general makes more sense than good and evil to me yeah have you heard uh i mean have you read conversations with god 
I don't think so. Write that one down too. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a series of three books uh, by Neil Donald Walsh. And the premise is that he sits down, he's frustrated with his life, and he's got so many questions for God. So he finally sits down and starts writing down the questions to God, saying, why are you this world the way it is? Blah, blah. <laughs> and to his surprise, God starts answering back mm. by, with, by him automatic writing. Oh, I love it. That book has changed my life. Now, okay. I will tell you that people, um, the first book is... There are things in every book that people look at and go, this is sheer crap. <laughs> and that's, it, it could very well be the case for them because it doesn't resonate. The first oh, two, three times I read the book, I'm like, why am I reading this book? This makes no sense. This is stupid. <laughs> I, since my existential crisis a year and a half ago, I picked up the book again after many, many years. And all of a sudden, the messages came through loud and clear. Mm. The first book... I'm on the second book now. First book changed my life, blew my mind because in its simplicity of explanation of why we're here and why we're doing the things we're doing. The second book talks more about politics and the world and things like that. So it's not as engaging to me, but it still has things here and there that, that I have to sit and after I read them, close the book and, and sit for a minute and think it through because, wow, that is profound as hell. I need to mm. kind of let it sink in. Yeah. I do firmly plan on buying the third book, but I have heard that the books decrease in value to people as they go. So at the mm. very least, I would say pick up the first book okay. because it's fascinating. It really is awesome. wonderful. Well, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you again for coming on, Will. Oh, what a blast. Thank you so much for having me on. This, this has been a lot of fun. Good, good. And I would definitely love to hear what our listeners think about these topics. So many different topics that we've talked about. And y'all don't forget that right on this episode's page, you can comment about an episode. You can ask questions. And as always, you can even send a voice message and I might just use it on a future episode. And y'all don't forget to mark your calendars for November 13th. It's our Green Wild Festival for Witches and Mystics online witchy festival check out the link in the show notes i'm super excited about it we've got quite a few former guests who are teaching workshops take care and y'all be blessed thank you all for listening to bell book and candle you can follow mella on instagram and facebook at bell book candle sc that's bell b-e-l-l-e or become a patron at patreon.com forward slash bellbookcandle.